The Veterans Report is sponsored by James Cannon. Welcome to the Veterans Report, the region's only show dedicated to those who have served our country. We have the latest news and information on resources available to veterans, including health care, education, employment tips, local volunteer organizations, and more. To those who have served, those who are serving, and to those who will, we salute you. And now, the host of the Veterans Report, Jim Cannon. And welcome back to the Veterans Report. We appreciate you tuning in and joining us today. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a news filled hour. We also have a, a guest today with the Independence Fund, Paul McKellips. He'll be calling in in uh, oh, a little bit here, so hang in there. He's got some great information about what they're doing uh, as far as assisting severely wounded vets and their caregivers. So Paul has some good information. Um, interesting, uh, interesting group. So hang in there and check that out. We also have a ton of news. There's a bunch of stuff that happened this week um, all over the board. Pretty cool stories. But before that, we want to let you know that any news or information covered on the Veterans Report radio show is also available on the Veterans Report Twitter account, Facebook page, and dun, 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 Instagram. We also want to give a shout out to our partners, our friends, WTF Nation Radio. Head over to their website and check them out. So in news this week. Oh, so I was flipping around the other night. <laughs> flipping around. I was flipping around and uh, I rarely do I watch TV. I mean, rarely. Uh, and I don't even know why I still have conventional cable, but I do. And I was flipping through channels and I, it was the weirdest thing. I, f- I went to, I think it was ABC the other night and I caught it as they were doing an intro and they, they introduced Jake Wood with Team Rubicon. And I watched the whole segment, and um, for those of you who watched, you already know, but Jake Wood, who was a former Marine sergeant, founded Team Rubicon. He started it, and he got the, uh, they were they were giving him the award at the 2018 ESPYs, right, the ESPN equivalent of the, the Grammys and the Emmys and all that other stuff. Uh, so at the 2018 ESPYs, Jake Wood got the Pat Tillman Award. And uh, for service, the Pat Tillman Award for service. Those of you who are youngsters and don't recall, uh, <laughs> Pat Tillman was an NFL player, uh, really sort of a rising star. I mean, he was he was a tough guy. I think he played for the Cardinals and uh, left the NFL right after 9-11 and enlisted in the Army and went on to become an Army Ranger. And he was killed in Afghanistan in 2004. And so this award goes to people, individuals or groups, primarily individuals, for for their service and, and in giving back. So they gave Jake Wood, they gave him this award. And uh, it was a really, it was a neat, I'm not a big awards guy. I don't care about the Grammys. I don't care about the Oscars. But this was kind of, I don't even really care about the ESPYs. But this was a really neat award ceremony. And his speech, man, I... Knocked it out of the park. If you have a chance, go online. It should be on whatever ABC or ESPN's website and check out his speech because it uh, it was tough. It, you know, I was getting a little, I was getting a little choked up listening to that. I mean, he he nailed it. And they had a great video montage of like you know uh, Team Rubicon and what they're doing. 
And uh, I would also encourage everybody to check out Team Rubicon. I'm not going to go into their history because I want to have them. I want to have them back on the show. We had them. Oh man, long time ago, probably close to a year ago. I think we had them on the show, and we'll we'll get them back. And I don't want to run. I don't want to steal their thunder. So go check them out. But really, really neat ceremony. And I didn't know this. Jake Wood had played football for the Wisconsin Badgers. And, uh, you know, he was also inspired by the whole 9-11 tragedy and joined the Marine Corps. He was eventually promoted to a sergeant and served four years in Iraq and Afghanistan. And he left. He was discharged in 2009, honorably, I want to add. And as I recall, because I didn't write this down, as I recall, he was waiting to hear back from I think he was waiting to hear back from graduate schools that he had applied to. And he was going to go to graduate school and he was waiting, waiting, waiting. He was trying to figure out what to do. And he saw, basically had a lot of free time. And January 10th, 2010, uh, Wood, it says, Wood found a way to help vets and also those in need after the devastating 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Haiti. Basically, in his words, he said, I looked at this thing in Haiti. And he said it immediately struck me that I missed sort of the hands-on, you know, the stuff that people do in the military, right? The hands-on, the projects, uh, getting out there, getting dirty, getting in the middle of it. And he looked at what was going on in Haiti, and he said it was no different from looking at a war zone. Buildings were crumbling, people were starving, things were on fire. So he came up with this idea to get down there somehow, some way, and help. And I got to again, I'm not going to steal their thunder. It is a really cool story, uh, what Jake and one of his buddies did. Um, it, it, it was, you know, it started off as sort of mission impossible type stuff. He just said, you know what, to heck with the government regulations, we're going to do this. And, uh, they built it up and it started with it, literally, I think two people or three people. And it has now, uh, grown to 80,000, 80,000 people across the world. Cause they deploy, they deploy just like the military all over the place for disaster relief and, and, uh, and other things. So Check out Team Rubicon. Check out the ESPN. Uh, I, I, the ESPYs. Check out the ESP thing with Jake Wood. It's uh, it's a very moving speech. And if anybody is deserving of an award like this, this guy certainly is. Um, I also want to add, my guy. he looks like a model. He looks like a young, uh, better-looking Tom Brady, too. So for all you ladies out there, check him out. He's married. Too bad. Um, what else? What else? What else? So, oh, the American Legion, right? American Legion, uh, I believe they are the biggest in terms of sheer numbers. They are the biggest VSO out there, veteran service organization. And, uh, they had, they had sort of a mini scandal this week. Here's, here, here's what blows my mind though. Given, uh, the influence the American Legion has. Right, and they they do. They're a powerhouse in D.C. Nobody, uh, well, I won't say nobody. They're they hold a lot of sway in the halls of Congress. Uh, so the American Legion, and this is what I'll tell you in a second. What blows my mind about this story: American Legion in turmoil as top exec resigns over background questions. The American Legion executive tapped to assume the organization's top administrative position resigned abruptly on Wednesday amid allegations that she exaggerated her professional and academic credentials. Verna Jones, 
53, tendered her resignation as she was being groomed to take over for Daniel Wheeler, a Vietnam War veteran who has served as the Legion's national adjutant since 2008. The a cursory background check required for her promotion could, listen to this, could not verify that Jones had a law degree or was ever licensed to practice law. So, uh, Miss Jones had been, I mean, she'd been a part of the organization for a while, and she had been to, I don't know, numerous events and, and uh, you know, represented the Legion at certain things and been introduced at uh, a lot of different national level events as well, Verna Jones, the lawyer, Verna Jones, the attorney, Verna, jo- Verna Jones, uh, who has a law degree and has practiced, et cetera, right? For years, for years. And so she was getting ready to be promoted and they could not verify her background. It says here, uh, reporters and radio hosts often describe Jones as an attorney. One article highlighting her 2014 promotion mentioned her work for veterans while attending law school, adding, with law degree and North Carolina bar certification in hand, she did not practice law, but stayed working for the Legion. A 2013 annual report for the Veterans Consortium Pro Bono Law Program listed Jones, a senior advisor to the program, as, quote, Verna Jones Esquire, a title traditionally reserved for practicing attorneys. A representative for the North Carolina State Bar told Task and Purpose it had no record of a Verna Jones as a bar admittee. If they're not in the database, they're not licensed to practice law in North Carolina, the representative said. So that's kind of problematic, seeing as how she was going to be the, uh, the adjutant general for, for the Legion. And, uh, or nas- national adjutant is the actual title. And it's uh, highly paid, right? Very, uh, very high profile, sort of an exclusive position, and she would have she would have been interacting with legislators at the federal level on a regular basis, right? Helping to shape federal policy when it comes to vets. So that is scary. What blows my mind? Not even about that, right? I mean, look, I, I feel bad for the American Legion. I do. Uh, this is not one of those cases where I would pile on. This is one of those things where you look at it and you go, "Oh man, I'm I, that's." That's a rough one. Here's what sort of melts my brain about this story. The only place I have seen it covered, not retweeted and rehashed, okay, because that's all over the map. The only place I saw this covered was with Task and Purpose. Task and Purpose is an online, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't want to call it a media. Well, I guess it is a media outlet. There are some people there with some, uh, some journalistic chops on the staff there. They're basically all online, though. They're all on uh, Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and a website, all online-based. And uh, so some, you know, a lot of their stories, uh, I've, I've, I've had to sort of uh, painfully muddle through because I'm, some of them have a, a certain and obvious political slant to them. And I, this is my personal lens, I look at a lot of them as agenda-driven. And if you're going to be, if you're going to portray yourself as a media outlet, you know, for vets and being in the know and being the experts, then do that. Don't, uh, and I know, across the journalism spectrum, 
everybody has their agenda. Everybody has their their bias and their slant. I probably have one that that comes through to people that I'm not aware of. Um, but task and purpose certainly is 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 one of those groups. But I will say they have also nailed a couple of stories that other people have either not picked up, not been aware of, or or wholesale ignored. This is one of them. This is one of them, and it, this. This was, I will say, it was picked up, right? Their their coverage of this was picked up by other outlets, uh, you know, uh, Military Times and and um, some other some news outlets that I saw where you know it had appeared uh, online or on Twitter or whatever. Um, but but the fact that these folks were the first ones out of the gate with it, uh, maybe it's a new era. Maybe this is the way things are going to be. You know, I, I don't know, but it. it Something that major, you you had somebody that was going to be in the top legal position for an organization that counts several million members, uh, and has has political sway in Washington D.C. and nobody covered it. Uh, I don't. know. I guess everybody was obsessed with with other things going on this week. I don't know. It's um, yeah. But I mean, look, kudos, kudos to task and purpose. I'm not, I'm not, uh, they do some good work and they work hard and they have a lot of very talented people there. And, you know, I will say the military pedigree of a lot of their staff members is top notch. So uh, again, kudos to them for, for nailing that one. I'm again, I just, I can't get over the fact that nobody else picked this up. You'd think something like this would, uh, maybe not, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be front page news. It's it's more important to us than than it is to anybody else, I guess. But the only the the silver lining of that whole story is that the American Legion said moving forward uh, they're going to I I uh, had it written down they're gonna they're basically going to request a, a lot more background information from people who are being hired or promoted to to certain positions, including full tr- full college transcripts, which. I would have assumed they would do that anyway, but uh, I guess once you're sort of in the stream, you're in the stream, right? So uh, there, there is a positive that comes out of that. Oh, here's a, I got a quote for you. Uh, in the VSO world, it's buddy, buddy, a Legion employee told Task and Purpose on the condition of anonymity. So when people get hired at the Legion, there's no real vetting. But national adjutant is the highest paid position and also very high profile she would have been under a lot more scrutiny. And uh, the Legion confirmed that Jones had resigned and made no other comments. <laughs> I've been I've been diligently scouring for one and there's nothing out there. Nothing. So hopefully the other VSOs pick up on this and and run full bore with more thorough vetting. I mean they have to. There's there's too much at stake, right? Simply too much at stake. We have with us Paul McKellips, who is the Senior Director of Communications for the Independence Fund. Paul, how are you? Yes, sir. Oh, outstanding. Outstanding. Um, Paul McKellips is the Senior Director of Communications for the Independence Fund. Great having you on, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Pleasure to be here. So uh, if you could, I mean, I have I have looked into the Independence Fund, and I know other people out there, some of the folks listening might be familiar, but what is the Independence Fund, and, and really, what's your mission? Well, we started in 2007, and 
uh, the big focus was on mobility for those that are catastrophically wounded uh, from Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, those who are suffering service-related illnesses. I mean, we're talking uh, Agent Orange from Vietnam, and now they have mobility issues. We're, we're best known as providing the all-terrain track chairs uh, for those who have mobility issues. But we do a lot more than that. Uh, we care for the caregivers. You know, there's a lot of our vets uh, who are needing a family member, a wife, a husband, a mother, a father, uh, to take care of them for uh, 24-7. So we take care of the caregivers. We uh, work with them, do retreats, help them with uh, uh, any of the different issues that they're going through. We do adaptive sports to make sure that our vets are pushing towards independence, uh, that they can compete in games and do the kinds of things that uh, made them want to enlist in the first place. Uh, and then we also work on the Hill. We do a lot of advocacy efforts. We are really focused on changing uh, the VA. We don't want this to be our daddy's VA. We want this a new VA uh, that is focused on veterans' choice uh, and takes care of the caregivers through the VA Association. So just just by way of background and, and giving you street cred here, um, <laughs> you have some experience in Iraq and Afghanistan, correct? Yes, sir. I, I uh, Well, I was an Air Force vet back in the day, so I apologize to listeners who love to razz the Air Force. Uh, but I, I went on to, uh, after 9-11, I left Hollywood where I was working in the motion picture business and came out and was then eventually on a presidential uh, assignment to go to Iraq uh, during the surge 2006, 2007, 2009. Uh, and as a civilian, I did uh, comms, I did communications, uh, psyops, different things like that to help support the troops. And then in 2010 and 11, when General Petraeus went to uh, Afghanistan to, to run the operations there, I went and I was NATO's public affairs trainer to the Afghan National Army. Oh, so y- you've spent more than a week in uh, in, in the mix? <laughs> you, you know, I, I have, and wow. I'm, I'm an older guy than the men and women wearing uniforms, and that's where I developed this passion because, you know, as a civilian, I knew what my paycheck was, and I knew they weren't making the same thing. And yet they're working 10 times harder than I am, 24-7, around the clock, away from their families. Uh, you know, all those concerns that, that our, our young soldiers have when they're out in the battlefield and when they're in harm's way downrange. And I just developed such a passion and a love for what these men and women went through on a day-to-day basis with all of these multiple deployments that we've had, especially in Afghanistan, but then certainly in Iraq until 2011. Of course, now we're back in Iraq with 5,000-plus there. Well, uh, yours is a fantastic calling, and I've heard that time and again from people who work with a lot of the nonprofits focused on veterans, is is it's this higher purpose, this this sort of calling that people answer, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing you're doing. Um, so let's touch on some of the more specific, uh, uh, I guess, segments or sectors of the independence fund you mentioned the caregiver program and i see that you have uh you have some great partnerships lined up do you want to walk through those well right now we're finishing up a caregivers retreat right now in charlotte it ends tomorrow morning and and these are men and women who are taking care of veterans who are minimally conscious now think about that for a second they've gone through a traumatic event and they need 24-7 care, and they literally need somebody to watch them in the middle of the night to make sure they're still breathing. Oh, 
and, and you know, I, I'm I, I'm not even going to mention her name, but I'm looking at this this one gal, uh, and I I just got back from their treat. This one gal whose husband has been in a minimally conscious state. She's got three children, and she loves this man to death, and it will. She's she's just petrified that something might happen to her, and he can't be taken care of. Uh, I've got another couple that I've been dealing with, and their daughter, they call her her daughter-in-law, uh, daughter-in-love, but it's their daughter-in-law, who is serving in the Navy on an aircraft carrier, had a aneurysm that hit the brain, and now she's minimally conscious uh, with, you know, their son is her husband and three children, and they care for her in their home as an elderly couple. Uh, day after day after day. You know, we all put the magnetic ribbons on the back of our cars to say, you know, we support the troops, and and we think, well, the war is over, or it's not as much as it used to be. But for caregivers, when their battle ended, the caregivers' battle began. Well, and and it's yeah, and thank you for teeing that up because that has been such a prominent issue lately, especially with respect to. Uh, you know, various bills and legislation on the Hill and then uh, the VA Mission Act, which I, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not as immersed in it as you are. So, you know, from my perspective, it kind of addressed the issue. Um, what's your perspective on that? Well, we love the VA Mission Act. The president uh, did, and, and the Senate and the, and the House did a great job at getting it through and getting it to the president's signature. Terrific. Now the devil is in the details. Uh, we're going to be working hand in hand with legislators to write the policies that govern the govern the VA mission act. See, what we what we don't want to do is the vet that needs a prescription filled. We don't want him to have to drive 75 miles to a VA center when the local CVS or Walgreens or Safeway or whatever your grocery store can fulfill it right there within his or her neighborhood. We, we want to start to write these policies and legislations, these regulations, so that the VA Mission Act really becomes veteran's choice. Wherever you need to go, whoever you need to see, we're going to take care of you. We've got to stop this notion that you've got to stand in line for eight weeks somewhere, 80 miles away, uh, and then get partial treatment. That's just crazy. That's the way it used to be. It's not the way it's going to be in the future. Agreed. I mean, the VA needs a, a major modernization and overhaul the way it, it does business, and that's it, not to that's not to pile on the VA. It's just reality, right? That's that's right. It's it's a huge organization. Unfortunately, anybody who's ever worked in the Pentagon, and I just spent three three years there. When you see government bureaucracy, uh, I mean, that's how we get the toilets. That you know, toilet seats that cost seven hundred dollars, and hammers that cost six hundred, because. We, we just got in our own way for whatever reason, and hopefully we can clear that up. Because we made a promise with veterans. You go and do the bidding of this nation. You know, veterans never said, hey, we want to go fight in Iraq. We want to go fight in Afghanistan. That's what, that's what Congress did. That's what the president did. They sent them. The veterans just followed the orders. And we said, if you follow those orders, we've got your back. And doggone it, that's what we're going to do. Uh, yeah, and from the veterans' perspective, I don't understand why uh, Congress or the Pentagon or anybody else keeps tinkering with things like, uh, you know, veterans' benefits. Especially like the, the most recent thing, and this is off topic, was the GI Bill, where they they you know they sort of played with the language a little bit and 
Uh, I thought it was going to be a lifetime thing and then it, you could transfer it and that's changed. But anyway, um, but I, I, back to your point about the bureaucracy, it is, it is insane. Are you concerned at all, uh, the Independence Fund or you personally, are you concerned at all about the notion of privatization? I know that's been sort of the ping pong ball uh, in the media, um, you, you know, the left and right going at it like junkyard dogs about privatization versus non-privatization. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I you know I can't speak for the independence fund on that one, uh, but I would say personally, whatever works. You know, we've we've addressed privatization for our social security, uh, and you know that's that's going to split right down the middle, left and right. Uh, half the people are going to love it, half are going to hate it. Uh, I don't care. What I want to do is give the vet the choice. You want to privatize? Give the vet the choice, and then. Let their fa- let the vet and the family figure that one out. Uh, what we do know for sure, we don't know that privatization is going to be the end-all cure-all, but what we do know is that the old VA doesn't work. So if privatization is the answer for some vets, then let them choose that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, now, so you're also involved. We'll go to something a little bit lighter here. We'll go uh, adaptive sports. And that's yeah. a that's a big one with vets because a lot of vets these days are into things like, uh, you know, the obstacle races like the Spartan race. Um, tell me a little bit more about what you're doing in adaptive sports and and where you're sort of plugging yourself in. Well, you know, the, the key to the name of our organization is Independent Fund, uh, and and what we're trying to do is for those warriors that have suffered a catastrophic wound is if we can put them back into their lifestyle, whether it's hunting out in the woods uh, in Allegheny County for the biggest buck that, that came through the woods in 2018, or if it's out on a beach in, on Lake Erie and, and fishing off the shore, we want to get them back to independence. Because when we talk about integration or reintegration of our vets back into normal society, if, if they've got a catastrophic Oh, and for goodness sake, they cannot reintegrate. I mean, you can you can sleep in the garage all you want, but that doesn't make you a car. Uh, so we want our vets to go back to the things that they're passionate about. They love to compete. They love to shoot. They love to do these crazy things. And if you're if you're a young soldier, you know, or a young marine, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want to go do the things that make you complete, that make you full. Uh, so we've got adaptive from the standpoint of adaptive seats for bicycles or rowing. We've got adaptive uh, golfing that stands, you know, you, you might be a bilateral amputee below or above the knee, but we've got a chair that will stand you up so that you can drive off the seventh tee and play golf. Uh, we, we want to get our vets, our vets back into competition because that is the doorway to independence. Well, and that, and again, you keep mentioning the key word uh, independence, and that really is important to a lot of the vets. Um, so now, and some of the vehicles, I got, I have to encourage the listeners to head to your website and check out uh, the vehicles that you have on there because they're um, they're mind boggling. They're really cool looking. Well, yeah, they're, I mean, we call them all terrain uh, track chairs. You know, they they have treads like a tank would or uh, or a Bradley or something like that. So it can go over rocks, it can go on the beach, it can go into the woods and navigate around the trees, and, you know, there's 
there's the guy's deer stand right there, and he's sitting in a camo-covered track chair. Uh, it, it's really a beautiful thing to give a vet his or her independence again so they can go do the things that they love to do. So now you guys are fighting, you mentioned this, too. You, you're sort of fighting, advocating on behalf of vets uh, in the nation's capital and around the country. Do you have, let me rephrase that, do you interact with the other VSOs, some of the, you know, the top tier folks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, BSW does amazing work, American Legion, uh, USO, obviously, uh, Wounded Warrior Project has made a comeback. They had a little glitch for a while, but, you know, they, they're starting to do some really aggressive things. And each one of us kind of covers a different area where we're passionate about. Hey, Jim, I was going to tell you, when I came back from Iraq in 2008, I lost a very dear friend there, Sparky, out of South Carolina. And uh, he left behind a two-year-old daughter, and I was compelled to form a charity called No Greater Sacrifice. And No Greater Sacrifice provides college scholarships to children of the fallen and severely wounded. So each one of us has a niche, a passion that we're trying to do on behalf of the vet. The key is, and let me just say this really clearly, so many organizations have their own pockets on the backs of vets. And I tell you what, I won't stand for that. The important thing is, and that's why Charity Navigator and the others are so important, is to make sure if you're donating or supporting a charity, you make sure that the vast majority of that money is going to the vets, because that's what it's all about. Well, and you know what? Mentioning that is very timely. There was a uh, there was a big national bust here this week of a lot of nonprofits, a lot of charities, veteran charities that that turned out to be scams, and uh, it involved multiple states. It involved the FTC, and yeah. they, they went in and shut all these places down. So, no, you're absolutely right. People need to be cautious in terms of of what they're doing with their resources because it it, it diverts badly needed money and and help from organizations like yours that are doing good. Well, I mean, and it's it's really stolen valor at that point. I mean, we have people who have, you know, claimed that there were different battles, and, and that's stolen. That's one form of stolen valor. But to raise a buck on the back of a wounded vet and then not take care of that vet, I'm telling you what, that's, that's about as low as you can go. Yeah, I, I don't know how to get uh, – I mean, I'm, I'm glad that this happened this week, this, this national effort, but uh, I think it's also incumbent upon vets to start, you know, rooting these people out because – at the end of the day, it gives us all a black eye. But um, yeah, it does. It does. It does. And but the vets aren't stupid. You know, they're looking at this kind of stuff. You know, every now and then, I'll have a vet come up to me and go, "Hey, really, are you guys taking care of us?" And I said, "Brother, if I'm not, uh, please let me know. If you see I'm making any errors, step up, talk to me. I, I'm not afraid of that at all." <clears throat> so let's talk about people being involved, getting involved. Uh, now, obviously, w- with the Independence Fund, you don't necessarily need to be a vet or, or military to get involved. But if somebody wants to, to lend a hand somehow, what would you recommend? Well, I mean, with regard to our organization, our website is independentfund.org. Uh, and we, we would love to have people uh, either donate a couple of bucks or donate time or those kind of things. But we have... We have very specific lines of effort. We do mobility, adaptive sports. We do caregivers. We do caregivers' family. I mean, those children, the three, four, five, and six-year-old kids where daddy or mom came back really different from the war and now is planted in, in a bed 
expecting daddy to be or mommy to be in the backyard playing ball, and it's not happening. Uh, advocacy is a huge part, uh, and from that standpoint, we, we would love to get people involved. Uh, you know, there's no shortage of effort. You know, the one thing, the GI Bill, the, the VI, VA, we really have a lot of programs in place. But if you know a vet or a retired vet or uh, a former vet in your community, um, reach out. Just do something nice. It, it doesn't have to be through a formal organization. I mean, it, and it doesn't have to be on Memorial Day and Veterans Day and the 4th of July. It can be, hey, stop by and drop them supper. Uh, send over uh, a pie and say, hey, thank you for your service. Because those families put up with as much or more than the veteran who's been on a deployment. The family that was left behind was just as much at war as as that young guy or gal who put on the uniform, strapped up the boots, and, and headed off to a foreign, foreign place. No, and that's, that's great advice. Um, so one more time, the website for the Independence Fund. Independencefund.org. Fantastic. And I encourage people to go there. Uh, check it out, donate if you can, if that's the easiest way to do it, uh, make a donation online or, or, you know, spin it up and get more involved. Um, you got it. You got it. Paul, I got to thank you for this show. I mean, you're, you're serving the needs of veterans in the Pittsburgh area. And, uh, got to tell you, I lived in Pittsburgh for a year and I love the place. Best fish sandwiches in America. <laughs> we'll take credit for that then. There you go. <laughs> well, you're welcome Thanks, back. You're, you're welcome back to the town anytime, Paul. Well, then I'll need an icy light to go with it. We'll have one waiting for you. Hey, listen, uh, Paul, you you and the staff down there at the Independence Fund, you guys are doing fantastic things. And, and um, I know I appreciate it. I know a lot of the listeners appreciate it. And uh, it means a lot to the guys who really do need that help. So thank you. Thanks, Jim. Hey, one last thing. Your University of Pittsburgh there is doing so many amazing things for vets with some of the research. So thumbs up to the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, good shout out. No, and you're right. And we, we often neglect that, but they are, they're doing, uh, they're making huge strides, uh, working yeah, alongside right. them. So, all right, Paul, Thanks, I, Paul McKellips, senior director of communications for the independence fund. Thanks a lot, Paul. And we are going to take a quick break and come back with more news right after this. If you want to keep up with the latest in veteran news away from the radio, stop by our website at www.theveteransreport.com. There you'll find news headlines along with links to media outlets around the world. You can also find links to every state's veteran services office. And for you film buffs, there's even a link to a war movie database. We appreciate you stopping by the Facebook page at facebook.com slash theveteransreport. There, like the website, you'll find the latest news and information related to veterans. For you high-speed individuals who want to limit yourself to 140 characters, stop by our Twitter account. It's a great way to find information on veteran organizations throughout the country and what they're up to. You can tweet us by using at the Vets Report. If you'd like to email the show directly, please send us your input, comments, or suggestions to editor at theveteransreport.com. Thanks again for checking out our pages. Thanks for listening, and thank you for supporting our veterans community.
Hey there, welcome back. Thanks for hanging tough and uh, and continuing to enjoy the Veterans Report. Uh, again, thank, big thanks goes out to Paul McKellips with the Independence Fund. They are, I'm, I mean this, go, go check out their website. They're doing amazing things for disabled vets and, and the caregivers. We often forget about the people who are behind the scenes in giving of themselves, their time, their effort, really their lives uh, for the disabled vets. So check out the Independence Fund. Again, if you can help them out, help them out uh, somehow, you know, donate, uh, stick your hand in the air and say, hey, I'll, you know, I'll go do whatever, you know, check them out, give them a call, get in touch with them. And uh, we mentioned the vehicles, these these uh, all-terrain mobility devices for wounded vets. They are it's it's cool stuff, man. It's like science fiction. I'm I'm sure some of you have seen them, but they have uh, one of the things is a chair that has uh, like those triangular tracks, like a like an old snowcat, right? And uh, it's all terrain. I mean, you can go off roading in this thing. So uh, the the important part of this, the takeaway from what they're doing is the aspect of providing independence, giving that feeling of independence and. Uh, to the wounded vets, right? Being able to do their own thing. And they're also, it's also important that they're advocating on behalf of vets on the legislative front. And we can't, you know, I've said it before, we can't, we as vets cannot sit around on our duffs and rely on these VSOs to go to bat for us. I mean, that's, that's the easy route, right? That's the easy way to do it and say, oh, well, they'll take care of it. Well, they will to a certain degree, but again, they're big picture. You want to get in the weeds, you want to get into the details, you have to do it at the local level. You have to do it as an individual and you have to do it as a group of vets and you have to do it uh, through local organizations and through congressional reps. I mean, you have to work it. So anybody who is not satisfied, anybody, any of you out there not satisfied with the way things are going for the veteran community, this is my admonition to you, right? This is my, <laughs> this is my dictate. Uh, get out there and get involved. And I look, I know better than anybody, it takes time. And there are nights, you know, there are Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Sometimes you just want to be home, right? You just want to sit on your couch. You want to just, uh, you know, go, go grill a steak and have a beer and relax. I get it, right? I, I had a job where for years I was out almost every night of the week. And it's grueling, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's dedication, though, right? So if you're not satisfied with the way things are, with the VA, with uh, any of the benefits out there, with even even the veteran service organizations on the ground, if you're not happy with the way things are going, get in the fight. That's what we do, right? That's what we do. We lace up the boots, the boots we get back in the fight. Right, and we take it to them. So take it to them. It doesn't have to be contentious. It doesn't have to be hostile. You can do things in a cooperative manner. But it's numbers, right? It's a numbers game. Get out there and get in the fight. Now, uh, now I'm I'm off my soapbox. So, what else? Speaking of, <laughs> oh man, speaking of the VA, and I I I want to. It's I want to love them. I do. I want the VA to be a 100% super efficient, well-oiled machine firing on all cylinders and, and 
doing the dance the way it's supposed to be doing it and spending the money wisely. And then I read stories like this. VA Watchdog. Nearly 20,000 veterans subjected to unnecessary medical exams. A Department of Veterans Affairs watchdog has discovered the agency spent about $10 million in unwarranted medical exams for military veterans and warned another $100 million, let that linger for a second, could be lost from similar procedures in the next five years. Last year, the Veterans Benefits Administration required nearly 20,000 disabled veterans to submit to unwarranted follow-up medical exams, also known as re-examinations. To verify whether a disability was still present or had worsened, the VA Inspector General estimated. Ah, boy, oh boy, oh boy. So there's a 25-page report out there. Um, that line itemed the wasteful spending at the VA, right? A concern, here's a, here's, this is from the story, a concern that has long plagued the agency. Yeah, no kidding. In its latest findings, the VA Inspector General said Veterans Benefits Administration employees did not consistently follow policy to request the follow-up exams only when necessary. The unneeded patient visits were valued at an estimated $10.1 million dollars, which is comprised of $5.3 million spent for uh, Veterans Health Administration clinicians and $4.8 million to pay contractors. Ah, uh, man. Of the, <laughs> of the 19,800 vets who underwent the unneeded exams, 14,200 of them saw no change to their disability evaluations. I'm sure, let me step away from this for a minute, I, I'm sure that some of this some of it, I would even venture to say uh, perhaps a uh, majority of it, was done with good intentions. I would. I would say that. I would say this was not, uh, this wasn't like a, a, what do you call it, like padding the books or a scam or anything. I think this was done with good intentions. I think, but, but the VA is so big. It's such a big agency. The inefficiencies alone, even when well-intentioned, have a price tag in the millions, tens of millions, right? So what do we do? Do do we reduce the size of the VA? Is that is that the answer? Slash and burn. There was a story out this week that had Democrats complaining about cuts in the VA, uh, uh, you know, upper upper management, the leadership levels, because they said it was all due to political views. Well. Uh, <laughs> You know, it was the finger-pointing thing, right? We're going to, oh, Donald Trump, right? He's evil because now they're cutting jobs. Well, you know what? We need to save money. We need to spend it wisely. And an agency the size of the VA, the second biggest agency in the federal government, it needs more efficiency. So, yeah, get rid of some of the, the driftwood. That's not political. That's called good business. That's called being accountable. That's called spending the taxpayer's money wisely. So again, I want to love the VA. I do. I, I think I think they're you know by and large they do a lot of good stuff, but it's you know it's that story that comes out once a week where you go, man, VA, you, you guys, you stubbed your toe again, didn't you? I, I will say on the plus side though, right? So you get all these negative news stories out there. On the plus side, at least 
all of these issues are coming to light. If you think about it, uh, going back, oh, decades, right? Decades. A lot of this stuff was buried. And I will say a lot of this stuff, I will give the Obama administration credit. A lot of this started bubbling up during the, the Obama years, right? So it's not a political issue, and it shouldn't be a political issue. This is meant for vets. Veteran care should not be a political football. Let's just fix it. <laughs> just just fix it. Everybody complains that they don't have money for their pet project. Well, gee, Congressman Schmuckatelli and Senator, uh, you know, Bazooka Joe, if you guys want more money for your little pet programs, right, your pork, make the VA run efficiently. Get your arms around it efficiently. I'm not talking cheaply. I'm talking efficiently. There's a difference. Do that, and you're going to save a couple hundred million dollars a year, and then you can... You know, divert it to, to studying the, whatever, the mating habits of, of goldfish or something, or whatever you guys spend money on. Oh, VA. Someday. Someday. I have hope for you. I do. I have hope. So, one other quick story, and then I want to get into the, the big major ugly one. Uh, where is it? The, come on. See, I come in here all organized, but I'm not really organized, but I am. Oh, here we go. So I don't know if you heard about the the monument for uh, former Navy SEAL, deceased Navy SEAL Michael Murphy, who died in Operation Red Wings. <clears throat> so they had like a, a really nice granite, was it granite? I guess it was granite, like an etched granite memorial for Michael Murphy in his, his hometown. He's in New York, and it was uh, it was at a park, I think, or at a lake, a park at a lake, lake. Oh, I'm not, uh, wrong, Concoma. If somebody's from New York and I pronounced that incorrectly, please give me a call or or hit me up online. Wrong, Concoma. Is that right? Lake Wrong, Lake Wrong, Concoma. Coma. I'm gonna stop saying it. Anyway, so uh, the other day somebody found this. It's like a disc, right? Like a a granite disc with a picture of. Lieutenant Murphy on there in his in his uh, his kit, his seal kit, and it had been smashed. It had been broken and smashed into a bunch of pieces. And so, the, you know, the police immediately launched an investigation, and the governor chimed in. I, my, which is cool. Um, my initial reaction, right? Uh, my initial reaction was, I. And this sounds awful. I hope it was a dumb kid. Because anybody else, if they did this with any ill intent or malice, uh, I pity them. I do, because the SEALs will find them. As it turns out, it was a 14-year-old boy. And, you know, the, the initial reactions from everybody not, like the governor and the police chief and the mayor and all that stuff... Um, you know, the initial reaction was, oh, this is evil and it's, it's horrible. And how, how dare anybody do this? You know, they must have a dark heart. Turns out it's a 14 year old kid, right? The initial reactions I get, but what's even cooler is, cause I was thinking about this the other day and I thought, well, th- this kid probably didn't know any better. Like, you know, when you're 14, right? Especially nowadays, right? When you're 14, do you really know the value of things? I don't mean the monetary value. I mean, 
Like, what's the actual value of a memorial to somebody's family, right? And what was, what what is the sort of inherent value? What what did it symbolize, right? What did it stand for? When you're 14, you don't know. You don't know. This was a a 14-year-old kid doing something dopey, which I will say, a lot of us have been there and done that. Not necessarily smashing memorials, for fallen seals, but we you know, did some stuff, you know, might have involved mailboxes and certain people's windows and I don't know, maybe certain vehicles. Statute of limitations has run out, so I, can, I'm, I feel comfortable in admitting some of this. Not with details, of course, and no names, but look, when you're 14, you do dumb stuff, right? It's part of growing up. And so I was thinking about this and I thought, man, I hope they don't rake this kid over the coals. Like just fix. I, I will say Governor Cuomo said, you know, hey, we're going to pay for getting this fixed. I mean, the state's going to pay for it, right? Which is awesome. So kudos to the governor for, for stepping up for that. That's pretty cool. And there was a $2,500 reward, you know, through Crime Stoppers. Uh, all these people had shown up to, to basically lend their support to it. My thought was, I, I, I want the kid to get like community service or a fine or, or something just so he understands. So he gets it, right? So he knows that there's value other than cost. So today I'm getting ready for the show, right? I'm doing show prep and I'm going through all this stuff. I see this clip of Marcus Luttrell, right? Former SEAL. And I'm not making this up. I, I will pat myself on the back. Because I had my thoughts the other day, right, day and a half ago. Marcus Luttrell echoed exactly what I had been thinking. And he basically said, this is a kid who did some dumb stuff. Let's not ruin his life over it. Um, you know, he'll. it's part of growing up. It's part of learning. It was immature and it was stupid. You don't, you don't destroy the kid's life for it, right? Uh, he did say, which I thought was kind of neat, he said, send him to me and I'll put him to work. And I'll show him the value of things. And you know what? I don't think that's a bad idea. I, obviously, they're not going to. But how cool would that be, though, if they sent him down, uh, have him hang out with uh, Latrell and a bunch of other dudes and just work that kid, right? Put him through like a mini hell week. But also, uh, but Latrell also said, I want to teach him. You know, I want to give him the history of what happened and what goes into that. And I want to teach him. It's, this is a, this is the, you know, it sounds trite and it sounds like a cliche. This is a perfect teachable moment for this kid. So, I, you know, get the, get the memorial fixed. Don't ruin the kid's life. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be destroyed over this. It was something stupid. And I can almost guarantee, unless he is a complete psychopath, if he's just a normal 14-year-old kid who was acting like a normal 14-year-old kid, he is scared to death right now. Scared to death. Because when you're 14, you don't care until you get caught. I'm just, I'm being honest. Like, it doesn't sink in. It doesn't resonate until you know there are consequences. And the consequences aren't evident until somebody puts their hand on your collar and they say, hey, here's, this is what's going to happen as a result of your action. So this kid is probably terrified. Um, so teachable moment, you know, let the kid learn and hopefully he, hopefully he turns the corner the right way. If he doesn't, uh, you know, if he has other issues in his life, then that's, that's a different story and we'll, we'll see him again in the news, but 
I almost, I almost, and this is not to excuse the kid's behavior. What he did was reprehensible and just awful. I mean, if you're going to wreck something, why, why that? But again, to him, it's a, you know, it's a nice etched rock, right? Ooh, it's a pretty, pretty object. Here, let me wreck it. I don't know. So, so the other thing I mentioned when speaking with, uh, Paul McKellips. There was a nationwide sweep this week, and it involved multiple uh, attorneys general across the U.S. in a number of states and the Federal Trade Commission. And it was called, oh, I had the name of it. It was like Operation. Now, see, this is where, this is where I think I'm prepared. But sometimes I'm not. I had it written down. Operation Donate with Honor. And it was a federal, it was basically a federal sting to nail charities, veteran charities that were uh, BS or scams. And I, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at this stuff and I go, oh, well, here's a news story about it. Oh, here's another news story. Oh, here's another one. And they weren't the same charities. In one of them, in Orlando, there was a nonprofit, you're, you're going to love this, there was a nonprofit led by the former Orlando mayoral candidate, Neil Paulson. He misled people who donated more than $20 million to his charity, thinking the funds would go toward helping provide services to veterans. Paulson and his nonprofit, Help the Vets Incorporated, recently settled with Florida, California, Maryland, Minnesota, Ohio, and Oregon, in a lawsuit that alleges between 2014 and 2017, Paulson collected donations across the U.S. based on misleading promises that the donations would assist vets by providing funding for grants, medical care, a suicide prevention program, dirtbag, therapeutic family retreats, and similar programs. Uh, Paulson had run for—he uh, ran for mayor in Orlando in 2015, and he lost— to incumbent Buddy Dyer. Then he ran for Florida Agriculture Commissioner, uh, but has since removed that site. He uh, Paulson is a real gem. He also lost his law license, his Florida Bar license, in 2000 after allegations that he appropriated funds from personal injury claims for other legal work without clients' knowledge or consent. Way to go, buddy. Uh, Help the Vets Incorporated is required to relinquish its remaining assets of $72,000, and Paulson also must pay $1.75 million to legitimate veterans' charities as part of the settlement. Now, here's the interesting part. Help the Vets Incorporated has a, quote, high concern advisory for potential donors on nonprofit watchdog website Charity Navigator. And we've uh, we've had Charity Navigator here as well on the show, and they walked through all that, all of it's put together, right? All the numbers and all the vetting and all that other stuff. But they had a high concern advisory on their site, uh, and that rating is given to charities with proven or confirmed allegations against a charity or an employee of a charity that is serious in nature and scope. Uh, and then Charity Watch Org also gave them an F rating, as in fail, but. Uh, Check it out online because uh, Virginia also had some stuff and they busted some charities. One called Hearts to Heroes Incorporated, which uh, 
they were also part of this whole crackdown. But um, at, anyway, so the feds are tracking it, but if you're a vet, you have to get on it as well. So pay attention to where your money's going, pay attention to the groups and the names of the groups and report them. And uh, with that, we're going to wrap up because we are out of time. And again, we thank our, gr- our guest, Paul McKellips of the Independence Fund today. And we thank all of you for tuning in. Till next time, I'm your host, Jim Cannon. You've been listening to The Veterans Report. Let others know about the show. You can find us online at theveteransreport.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to editor at theveteransreport.com. Join us again at the same time for up-to-date veterans news and information. The Veterans Report. Thank you for your service and carry on. The Veterans Report has been sponsored by James Cannon.